0: You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit VOTR.church. Well, good morning, Vineyard Church. Isn't, don't you just want to whistle along to that? It's just stuck in my head. That's, that's when you know it's a good little uh, prep video. So, Well, good morning and happy, happy Labor Day weekend to everyone just want you to know we've been praying for this service and we've been praying for you, expecting that God will move in your life and move in your heart as we share this space together. And and everyone tuning in on the live stream, we've been praying for you as well that God will minister to you in your home or wherever you're tuning in this morning. We're so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Brian McLeese is here with me. He works for our mission partners, Convoy of Hope. And uh, of course, before he took the job with Convoy of Hope, he pastored around Colorado, really all over the nation. He helped plant vineyard churches, uh, a great friend, member of our church. Today, he's going to be our amateur hour interview, which I'm really, really excited about. In case you're new to this church or new to this series, over the course of the last few weeks, we've been doing interviews with quote unquote professional Christians people who get paid to do the stuff that we read about in the Bible, and they've been sharing a mixture of success and failure stories because the reality is we're all just trying to give it our best go when we follow Christ. We see some failures, we see some successes, and then, of course, there's a whole bunch of times where we should have failed, but God showed up and saved us in his grace. And so today we're stepping into a title that I think elicits a lot of excitement for many of us but also a little bit of trepidation or, or some of that failure maybe that we've experienced before. We're talking today about being an amateur healer, an amateur healer. and I'm not exactly sure you know, what your personal belief is, but here at the Vineyard, we 100% believe that God still heals that he still moves, that he is our healer, that that didn't stop at the resurrection of Jesus, but that increased uh, upon the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And as followers of Christ, that we are still called to pray for the sick and the hurting with faith and expectation that God just might move. So Brian, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for you to share your story. Why don't you uh, just kick us off this morning and share your story of being an amateur healer?
1: kick us off, maybe you'll kick me off, but I was (laughs) um, happy to ask, uh, to share a little bit. It was a Sunday night, Uh, I was in a high school youth group, and God had really been moving in our group, and we were at a very young age uh, how deeply God loved us, and um, I learned that evening uh, that a friend who had been injured in a softball game, uh, the day before, we won the game. He made a great catch, but he he didn't look good after he made the catch. Something happened. We learned he tore his spleen, and uh, that's why he wasn't at youth group that night. And emergency surgery, not emergency, but surgery was going to happen right away the next morning. And so we're, you know, praying. We had something, you know, like we would call ministry time, waiting on God, just praying for our generation. I had this deep desire um, to get to the hospital ahead of the whole thing and the surgery and pray for God to heal Rob.
0: And You're like, how old about are you? Like 16, 16 17, 17 yeah. something like that? Yeah, 16. Gone through like all the classes on how to pray for the sick probably? or <laughs> Like, there weren't as many back then. Okay, yeah. so a, a beginner.
1: Right, but I... Did, am, you,
0: have a, did you have a beard? That's, another, that's a, like no. another question running through my mind.
1: No, uh, we were trying to do sideburns at that point.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah. So they were coming yeah. in with all of your 16-year-old power. Right, right, right.
1: Peach fuzz. So, yeah. um, but we had read, you know, James chapter 5, that if you anoint with oil, you know, yeah. the Lord will sick.
0: Yeah, if you've never read James 5, James 5 says that, if any among you are sick, to gather the elders, to anoint them with oil, and, and that he will answer a prayer of the righteous. So you, you read this. Right.
1: And then I give it did it what go. any preacher's kid did. I'd rummage through my dad's desk so many times I knew there was a vial of oil. <laughs> and so on the way to the hospital, I, hey, wait, we got to go get my uh, dad's anointing oil. So we went to so the hospital. So you got a,
0: a church to the key, a church to your dad's office. You sneak in there.
1: Yeah, there was no key. It was just, okay,
0: you just... Yeah. <laughs>
1: I just, yeah, went in there. <laughs> no key involved. So got to the hospital, and of course, the, the person at the front desk was explaining to us that it's past visiting hours. And in that conversation, she leaked what floor Rob was on. So we politely left, said thank you, and then we went around and found the... Obviously
0: didn't know your age, yeah. that you were going to no. find a way to that room. We
1: went up the fire escape stairs, and... <laughs> Found his floor, and it's dark up there, and we're looking for Rob's name. Found Rob's name, went in the room. He was asleep, sedated, and so we woke him up.
0: And, uh, All the things you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. I told you this is amateur yeah. hour, so. Yeah,
1: but my prayer ministry hasn't gotten much better since
0: <laughs> that, so anyway. Once an amateur, always yeah, an amateur, right? Yeah, we
1: prayed with Rob, and I thought it'd be good to make the sign of the cross.
0: That seems to make sense. On your yeah. forehead. You're going to give it a go. Why?
1: Yeah. And we started to leave, and I said, you know, we're in this far. Let's just go down the elevator. And so we went down the elevator. On the way down, I turned to my buddy Lane. I had an accomplice. And I, <laughs> he's now a pastor in the Seattle area. And I, I said, do you smell cinnamon? And he goes, like, <laughs> Is this a spiritual manifestation or something? <laughs> Trying try to make then, all the connections you possibly can. Right, get. yeah. And then I went, wait a minute. And I licked the finger that I had anointed Rob with. It was cinnamon oil. So. The essential oils of your right, dad's office. Is right. What you... I don't know why. But later, his, his little brother told us, said, yeah, last night when you guys prayed, he felt this hot cross on his forehead. <laughs> He's probably like allergic yeah. to cinnamon. It's probably like... Yeah. But this, no joke, going into this, five doctors had looked at his x-rays. And one specialist determined, yeah, this is a torn spleen. So when they went in and they uh, were going to remove the spleen, the spleen was totally 100% fine. Wow. So in the state of Oregon, law requires that if that kind of thing opens up and there's nothing wrong, they're required to take his appendix. So they took his appendix. So it was kind of a twofer. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll never have appendicitis, and the spleen was
0: fine. So That is awesome. I, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, it's good that we clapped, and, clapped for him because, of course, part of this series is that we all look at the interview, and we collectively say, Brian, you are such an amateur. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. And we love it about yeah. you. you. So many thoughts running through my mind. I thank you for you know, humoring me and telling me that the beard grew long over the decades, but that back in the day it was just sideburns. You know, one of the things I, I love about that story, Brian, is uh, that you are operating out of just sheer obedience. You know, you, you have a friend who is sick. You know the promises of Scripture, and so yeah, I'll sneak in to Dad's office. I'll sneak in to the church. And we're going to give this a go. We're going to call on the promises of God out of nothing but obedience. You know, he didn't overcook the details. He just went for it and gave a risk in the name of Jesus, and God showed up. You know, I think it's so important, we say this a lot, but it's so important to allow the Word of God... The the Holy Scriptures to influence our worldview more than anything else, more than the culture, more than maybe even our own experiences, but to allow the Word of God to shape our worldview. And throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, we are told to pray for the sick. To lay our hands on those who are hurting and to ask for God to intervene. Or as he alluded to in James 5, to anoint the sick with oil. And in the name of Jesus, to ask and pray in faith that God's kingdom would break in in a moment. In our moment and in our time. Throughout this series, we've mostly been spending our time in First and Second Timothy, and we'll eventually get to First and Second Timothy today, but I want to start in the Gospels. I want to start with the very words of Jesus Christ, because when it comes to healing, he approaches healing in all kinds of different moments, and some of them, I'm sure like many of you, they, they leave you a little unnerved, just how he approached this topic. You know, they're, they're quite convicting. Because Jesus spoke and taught and explained healing and miracles, and and then he expected us to do the same thing. He expected us to risk and to see God's kingdom come in our everyday lives. And these promises, these promises leave me wanting to see more in my own life, but also uh, urging me forward to lay hold of all that God has for me. Jesus talked about healing in a lot of different kinds of ways. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to go rapid fire with a number of scriptures. There's going to be a lot of scriptures today. It's going to be hard to probably follow along with all of them. We'll put them all on the screen. If you just want to jot the references down, that might be the way, best way to do it. But I want to give you a wide landscape of the teachings of Christ and the New Testament today. Because they, in a way, create a, an octagon of boundaries, right? Right? And, and as long as we're within this octagon of theology and boundaries that we find in Scripture, we get to play like crazy in the kingdom of God. But we don't want to kind of color outside of those theological lines. So we're going to start today in Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, verse 7. Now, this is Jesus getting ready to send his disciples out. It would have been easy, I think, at least in my mind, to rationalize starting the way that Jesus healed everybody. But then we would have had the excuse, well, he's Jesus. Of course, we're going to see healing when, it, when it's Jesus praying, but I'm, I'm going to pick some scriptures where he anoints his disciples and sends them out because they're just as every bit human as we are in this room. Matthew 10, verse 7, this is how Jesus starts. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. For those of you who remember our Kingdom of God series, the kingdom of God most often comes with both proclamation and demonstration. It comes to the announcing of the kingdom, but also the showing of the kingdom. And so Jesus told his disciples to go out and to announce and to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near, but to also show them that the kingdom is within reach. If you move forward to just Luke 9, if you'll just humor me, and this is another verse that I want to read, Luke 9, verses 1 through 2, one and 2. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Again, in this verse, just like Matthew 10, it's proclamation and demonstration. It's showing and telling. Both of these things working together. And I like to often imagine, like, what was Luke 9, 1 and 2 like? I mean, that is a holy huddle if you've ever seen one. Jesus calling his disciples together and anointing them and giving them authority and power to go out and do the things that they had seen Jesus do time and time again. If that's not enough, how about John 14? I love John 14 because it's not just about the disciples that Jesus personally taught and he was the rabbi over in that day, but it's about all future disciples, all future believers. John 14, 12 says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my father. This is one of the verses that kind of leaves me awake at night because when I compare my life to the life of the Lord, I see a vast difference. Yet he says, you'll do even greater works. Now, of course, I have to say the works of Jesus included all kinds of things, like the ministry of reconciliation, ministry to the poor, for forgiveness in the midst of relationships and salvation, or really anything that you see him talking about in the kingdom of God. This is part of us doing the works that he has done. But we can also never forget that it includes healing, and that it also includes powerful encounters with the living God. One more verse for now, and then we're kind of halfway done with the act of God. This is important because I'm I'm, I'm showing you this landscape and even this journey that Jesus was on with his disciples. Because John, John 14, 12, none of John 14, 12 happens without Acts 1, 8. None of it happens without Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8 reads like this, but this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is a lot of scripture, like back to back to back to back to back. And I realize that, but this is how it works as followers of Christ. First, Jesus showed us the way. And then he empowered his disciples to go and do the same thing. He told us this audacious promise that we'll do even greater things than he did. And it only happens because the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. According to Scripture, this is part of our calling. It's part of our calling. And you know, throughout our series, Amateur Hour, we're not going to say that any given week is all of our calling. It's not all of our calling. Just like healing is not all of our calling, but it's a piece of it. It's a part of who we are as followers of Christ because it demonstrates the love and the power of Jesus and that His kingdom is within reach. Now, as exciting as this is, And as beautiful as the promises are that we find in Scripture about healing, we have to also recognize that many of us in this room, many of us online, have doubts. That we struggle with some of these passages. I mean, you might be in church for the very first time. Maybe someone invited you, or maybe you just came on your own, and you're not exactly sure why, and then you realize we're talking about healing, and you're not even sure that Jesus, you weren't even sure Jesus talked about healing. This is like a new revelation for you. Or maybe you've been following Christ like most of your life, but you would classify your own relationship with God or your own relationship with, with faith as, as a very rational-minded one or, or maybe even a very scientific approach to faith. And, and so because the miraculous is kind of out of the scientific method, the, the, the fact that the miraculous and the scientific method oh, don't always gel together, you found yourself wondering if this even is a reality for us. Today, Or perhaps maybe you've been following Christ most of your life, and, and in a decade or two decades ago, you've seen lots of healing. But recently, when you've gone to pray for healing or you've laid your hands on the sick, you haven't seen God show up in the way that maybe he had in your past. And over time, now you're starting to wonder if he still shows up today like he did back then. These are all Things that we wander; these are wonder that we; these are all approaches to Christianity that we struggle with from time to time. And here's the thing: like I don't need to convince you. I'm not here to convince you of some kind of irrational understanding or anything like that. But I do want to present to you that as people of faith, as followers of Christ, not everything that we, that has to do with Christianity makes sense in our minds. You realize that we follow a man who predicted his own death, was crucified on a cross, buried in a grave, and then came back to life and offers us that same life for today through eternity. This is the basis of our faith. It's quite miraculous from the onset. It's probably more miraculous than crying out for healing. Not everything about our faith is perfectly rational. Now, the great qualifier is that a lot of it is. There are times and moments in Scripture where you see the the scientific God laying systems out in creation, and it's a beautiful thing. You see the engineering working of how God ordered creation and included mankind to be stewards over the earth, and it's a beautiful thing when that happens, but that's a sermon for another day. The reality is that healing isn't always about methodology. The very nature of the miraculous interrupts the objectivity of the scientific model. And science and God absolutely interact together. But there is something unique about the miraculous and how it can't always be explained. Healing doesn't always require a formula. It requires faith. Healing doesn't require formulas, it requires faith. Faith that Jesus is who he said he was. Faith that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us that dwells within the believer. And faith that the promises of healing comes with the kingdom of God. Healing requires faith. But the role of faith and healing kind of presents another question for us. How does faith Uh, healing and faith actually interact. And I will say it it might not quite be as quite linear as you think it is. The way faith and healing interacts with each other might not be quite as linear as you think. See, the intersection of faith and healing, we oftentimes think it's like a a perfectly groomed four-way stop where every car shows up at a different stop sign at different times, so everybody knows what to do and everybody knows how this interacts. But the way Scripture talks about faith and healing in the intersection of these two things, it's more like an eight-way stop with all yield signs, no stop signs, and everyone shows up at the same time. And so all you do is you have a bunch of people waving somebody else on or starting and stopping. And you have someone like me who just tries to accelerate through the intersection and prays in hopes to God they make it to the other side. <laughs> I am that guy. Before you curse that guy, just be careful. Make sure it's not me behind the wheel. (laughs) The intersection of faith and healing is often more complex than we realize. It's oftentimes more complex than we realize. Again, verses here, rapid fire. I'm going to lead you through a bunch, and we're going to kind of create how this looks in its complexity in Scripture Together, When it comes to faith, sometimes people are healed because of their faith. Sometimes faith moves on the heart of God and God releases a miracle. There are two great examples of this in Matthew 8 and in Matthew 9. In Matthew 8 verse 13, Jesus is talking with a Roman officer. This is what it says in Scripture. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home because you believed it has happened. Because you believed it has happened, and the young servant was healed that same hour. Matthew 9, verse 22, something very similar. This is what it says in Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said to her, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. First thing we see in the scripture is that faith matters. At times, human faith and healing interact together, and God releases a miracle in the kingdom. And it's beautiful, isn't that? God? that God responds to our hearts in that kind of way, that he sees our faith, and it moves him in compassion to heal the broken and the hurting in our lives. But at the same time, we have to wrestle with the fact that just a couple chapters later in Matthew 13, 9, verse 58, Jesus goes home to Nazareth and there's not a lot of faith present. And this is what happens when there's not a lot of faith present, Matthew 13, verse 58. And so he, Jesus, did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. This is perplexing because he's Jesus. Jesus. It's the Son of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and yet a little bit of faith led to only a little bit of miracles. Now, this is a tragic verse when you really think about it. It's a tragic verse because I don't want that verse to be my life verse. I don't want that verse to be my life verse, but we can't ignore passages like this, right? And, and if you don't ignore them, then all of a sudden the complexity around faith and healing and that intersection that we're talking about begins to get a little more interesting. Because so far we have faith, human faith, that releases God's power, and yet at the same time we have humans with very little faith that seems to restrict God's power, and yet the person praying is Jesus himself, Don't you think his faith could have penetrated the doubt? I mean, he did it in other parts of Scripture, right? This is so interesting to us. But honestly, we're only getting started. At the beginning of Acts 3, this is the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit had been poured out on believers, and Peter and John, they're walking into the temple. Some of you may know this story. Peter and John, they're walking into the temple, and there's a man at the entrance of the temple, and he's begging. He needs money. He's asking for silver or gold. He's asking for alms or coins. And Peter and John, they look at him, this man who has no faith for healing. He has faith for money. And Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have gold or silver for you, but in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man instantly got healed, and he stood up and walked and started praising God. Now, this is, this is interesting for me because, again, now we're moving off of Jesus. This is Peter. This is just a disciple. Guys like us. And the person that he's interacting with didn't even have healing on his mind. It's not like, it's not like the Scripture said, yeah, but he was, really, he was really hoping to be healed. No, it just says that he was asking for money. He was begging for money. So it, it wasn't about his faith. It was about Peter's faith. And Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. This is... Peculiar. And the complexities, I hope you like the mystery of God because I'm just going to throw in a couple more out there. The complexities of this only grow. If you look at 1st and 2 Timothy, which is where we've been for most of this, this uh, most of this series, 1st and 2 Timothy, they 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 play with the landscape just a little bit more. 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, verses 23. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you're sick so often. Don't get caught up on the wine thing there. My guess is that's what that chuckle was. That's the shiny little object. We'll talk about that another day. But stay curious about the second half of verse 23. Here's Paul. He's an expert church planter. He's an expert theologian and practitioner. Timothy is like a son to him, a spiritual son. He poured his life into Timothy. Don't you think he would have prayed for Timothy? Don't you think he would have laid his hands on Timothy? I mean, earlier in the chapter, he laid his hands on him and imparted a gift to him. Now here, instead of the answer being, keep praying, it's drink a little wine with the prayer. Mix it in there, because you're still sick, your stomach is still upset. I mean, this is a peculiar text. This is an oddball text, and if it was just one, I think we could just move on and just keep going, but there's not just one. There's more. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four, verse 19 and 20. Paul wrapping up his letters, he says this, "Give my greetings to Priscilla and Achilla and those living in the household of Onisiphorus. Onesiphor- Man, I practiced that one. <laughs> Onesiphorus. Nobody has names like that anymore. He, he said this to the household, everyone living in the household of Onesiphorus. I got to try it at least a couple times if you're going to practice it, right? Verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Why would he leave him sick? This is Paul we're talking about. The Christian rock star of his day, Trophimus, is too sick for the next ministry trip? You have to realize Paul was not used to seeing this kind of reality. At one point in Acts 14, there was so much power coming from Paul's ministry, so much miraculous, so much of the the healing in and around his ministry that in Acts 14, the people of that city, they thought he was God. And they brought bulls to sacrifice them to Paul and Barnabas. That's how much power they were seeing in his ministry. And then you skip forward a couple books into 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Trophimus can't even be healed enough to go on the next ministry trip. I mean, this is peculiar, right? This is kind of an odd little moment, because you know Paul would have prayed for him. You know he had seen many healed And yet Timothy and Trophimus all of a sudden are still sick. You know, it's really good news for us because even Paul's beginning to look a lot like an amateur. At times he sees God's power just come in miraculous kinds of ways, and then other times he's writing the inspired Word of God, and he's saying, I'm leaving Trophimus behind. He's not even well enough to go on this next ministry trip. I share all of these scriptures, and we're going through all of them really quickly, I know. But I share them because although we can see how faith and healing absolutely interact, and faith is necessary to step into this reality, these scriptures also demonstrate our point from earlier, that the intersection of faith and healing is more complex than we realize. It's more complex than we realize. Following Christ requires faith. I don't think anyone can argue that from scriptures. Scripture teaches us in Hebrews that it's impossible to please God without faith. But faith doesn't always make sense. Faith doesn't always get you the the results that you earnestly desire, the results that you've been praying for time and time again. I mean, anecdotally, even from my own life, Natalie and I, we've experienced a lot of pain in our life. We've experienced a lot of loss in our lives. We've both lost family members to cancer. I lost my brother to addiction and struggles with mental health. We lost our first pregnancy. We're still to this day dealing with a child's diagnosis and a health condition that hasn't been healed. And I'm telling you, every time we hit that intersection of pain and loss and struggle, I promise you we were praying like nobody's business. We were fasting and we were praying and we were crying out to God and we were gathering believers to pray alongside with us so that when we were tired, they continued to pray. And we gave it all that we had And yet we did not see the healing we were seeking. It's complex. And as humans, as humans, in moments like this, we have to be really careful. We have to tread lightly because we can do really silly things. We can do really silly things when we don't get an answer to the prayer that we want. And one of the silly things that we can do is we can start blaming. We can start blaming others we can blame ourselves and it's just easier to blame than sometimes to sit in The mystery. I've seen this so many times. I've experienced it myself. I've pastored many of you through the same kind of reality. When we're hurting and we we don't see the healing that we so desperately want, we can blame others for their lack of faith. And we say really hurtful things like, well, if you didn't have that sin in your life, maybe I would have gotten healed. Or if you would have just prayed with more faith, then maybe you would have gotten healed or I would have gotten healed or we all would have been healed. Where is the faith? Or we can blame God and we can say, if you really loved me and if you really cared for me like, like I read that you do in Scripture, then you would have healed me a long time ago. And still others, all we do is we blame Satan. And then the next thing you know, every corner that we turn, every every turn that we take, we're just blaming Satan for everything. And all of a sudden, he becomes the focus of our life. We have to be careful in these moments not to point the finger too quickly, because when you're feeling the pain of unanswered prayers, it's just easy To allow those anecdotes to dictate your theology instead of allowing theology to dictate scripture to dictate your theology. Oftentimes, faith and healing lines up perfectly. And at the same time, it's often quite complex. If you think back to those verses from Paul, he didn't blame Trophimus. He didn't blame Timothy for being sick. He didn't blame the prayer team. He didn't blame himself. He didn't blame God. He didn't blame anyone for that matter. He just continued to work. He continued to step out in faith. He continued on to the next ministry trip. He wrote these letters, and he said, I've got to keep going. I have to send and spread the message of God, which does still include healing. He didn't give up on that either. But he didn't blame anyone. Now, here's something that you might not hear every Sunday. It's that following Christ can sometimes be complicated. Following Christ can sometimes be complicated. We're not promised that every question we have this side of eternity is going to be answered or answered the way we want it to be answered. But time and time again, even in the mystery, we're still encouraged to step out on faith, to risk looking like an amateur for the kingdom of God and to cry out for healing and to believe that God's power is still alive and active today in our lives and to just trust Him with the results. We step out and risk. We are the amateurs. We trust Him with the results. Following Christ can be complicated. This intersection of faith and healing can be complex. But none of those things need to keep us from asking and hoping and believing and even expecting God's kingdom to come. Here's here's a real practical truth. This is applied theology time. It's a practical theology time. People who pray often tend to see more of God's power in their lives. And so when you're at that intersection, there's a lot of different ways that you can handle that. You can say, well, I better not pray in hopes that I'm let down, or or, I better not pray because I've tried 100 times and I haven't seen the results. Listen, the people who pray and keep on praying, they are the ones who tend to see more of God's power in their life. And that's who I want to be. I'm fine with the mystery if that can be true of who I am. And and I think it's also who we're called to be as a church. We want to be a faith-filled community who regularly prays for healing, for the miraculous, and for God's power to fall upon us. See, I'll take the complexity with the miraculous. I will take the unanswered prayers with the answered ones, and I'll take the mystery of the kingdom alongside its breakthrough. I want to close this morning by offering you three really practical next steps. Three really practical next steps for you to wade into the waters of healing. First, every couple of months, we have an extra service on Sunday nights for extended times of worship and prayer. You can always find these announcements at votrweekly.org, and we have two of them coming up. We have one of them coming up in September and another one coming up in November. September is a worship circle. It's going to be extended times of worship, and the one in November is in partnership with CSU Young Life. And we're going to step into hearing God's voice together and what it means to practice that individually and as a community. These are great spaces for you to experience more of God's power in your life. I also want to encourage you to consider signing up for emotionally healthy spirituality. Sometimes when we talk about healing, we only talk about physical healing which is valid and important. But when we talk about healing, we also need to talk about wholeness in the healing, healing of our emotions, our relationships, even our mental health. These are big issues in our culture today, and God is bigger than all of them. And so when we talk about healing, we also need to talk about healing the entire human being. Natalie and I have gone through a lot of work in this space, and I'm telling you, it's some of the most important stuff that we've done as leaders it's helped us to become a better spouse, parent, friend, and follower of Christ. And I would recommend that course to anyone. Finally, I want to encourage you to keep using the famous vineyard phrase Can I pray for you right now? Right now. Plenty of us say, plenty of Christians say, How can I be praying for you? And then you know how it works. Some of us are really disciplined and vigilant, most of us forget how can I pray for you right now? Right now. Because as we saw in Matthew 8, in Matthew 9, throughout the Gospels, sometimes, even in the complexity, sometimes it is your faith that releases a miracle. And part of being an amateur is just asking that simple question time and time again, taking a risk for Jesus and believing that we follow a supernatural God. We are called to do the works of Christ. We're called to do the works of Christ, to step out in faith and trust him with all of the results, even when it feels like a mystery. Let's pray together.